Hello, everybody, and welcome to January of 1991. In the news this month, the New York Giants defeat the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl 25 by the score of 20 to 19. Sharon Pratt Dixon is sworn in as mayor of the District of Columbia, becoming the first African-American woman to be the mayor of a major U.S. city. Pan America World Airways files for bankruptcy. U.S. serial killer Aileen Wernos confesses to the murder of six men. The most popular song of the month is Justify My Love by Madonna. And the top three movies are Once Around, Lionheart, and Disney's White Fang. Welcome back to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. It is season number two. We made a whole season, and now this is a new season. I feel special. I feel good. I feel good about having two seasons. I'm excited to be here for sure. I would have felt a lot better about having two seasons if we were picked up by like a studio or something. So we did good on our first season, so they gave us a second season. I'd feel better if we were getting more than 40 downloads an episode, but that's all good. We well, have 40 people listening. My, my point was that all we did was say, okay, so we're going to do another ep- another season. It's not like we earned a second season. We're just simply doing a second season. Uh, we, we earned it. <laughs> All right. I'm on board. I, I picked us up. All right. Good job. Where's my paycheck? <laughs> With having to buy that, that DVD this month because we couldn't find it streaming anywhere. Because people knew better than to stream such a movie. <laughs> January of 1991. I think this is the worst month in the entire year. Like I've been looking forward, looking ahead in this year a lot because there's a lot of good movies in 1991. And I think this is by far the worst month. Having said that... It's still better than four of the months of 1990. uh, Without a doubt, better than uh, maybe half of the months of 1990. 1990 was just a wasteland. It was really, really bad, 1990. And... It's not that I didn't enjoy these movies. They just weren't anything special. I enjoyed them. I have really positive uh, takes on almost all of these movies. Well, you and I, sir, we disagree. (laughs) Which makes for a great conversation. (laughs) So you want to get into it? Yeah, let's get it started. I know you're going to kick it off with number 12, right? I got number 12, which is Ski School. So last year, we did Ski what? Ski Patrol. Ski Patrol, and we thought it was Ski School. So I convinced myself that Ski School was such a great movie, and Ski Patrol was unwatchable. Like, I had to watch it twice because we, we couldn't make it through the first time. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest here. You it, never made it, it through. It was the first movie we watched for this podcast. It's the only movie I didn't make it through. I know. You said that. You, you copped to it, so that's okay. I actually made it through it begrudgingly. And then I was like, oh, ski school. I put it on. I made it through 30 minutes of ski school. And I was like, wait, this is just as bad as ski patrol. <laughs> So anyway, it's a rival group uh, in a skiing school doing battle on and off the slopes. One gang's rich and serious. The other group are party animals. And guess who's in it? Nobody. Nobody. Guess who directed it? Nobody. Guess how many times I'm ever going to watch this movie? Zero. Zero. Oh, yes. I got it. <laughs> you got all three. <laughs> Good job, bro. All right. Oh, also, it, it grossed like $13,000. Who cares? all right coming in at number 11 too much sun grossing 44.5 thousand dollars nice (laughs) a multi-millionaire whose son and daughter are gay leaves a will with one clause his children will inherit his money only if at least one of them produces him a grandchild within a year of his death yeah I, you can't see his Kevin's facial, facial expressions at home, but those were my exact facial expressions when I read this description. That sounds like the worst plot ever. You know who's in this movie? No one. A lot of people. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> First of all, directed by Robert Downey Sr. Wow. I didn't know he was in the industry. Yeah. Uh, well, he directed America and a whole bunch of Twilight Zone episodes. Good for him. Uh, it stars... Okay, so I said a whole bunch of people. It's one person. Can you guess who that one person is? Robert Downey Jr.? Correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all I got on this movie. I tried to find anything. Nothing. And there was nothing. Yeah. All right, number 10, Men of Respect. John Turturro stars as Ooh. a hitman 
Uh, he heeds a spiritualist prophecy that he will rise to the head of his family. He starts his ascension by executing the heads of the family and casting blame on others. But with power comes consequences. Also stars Peter Boyle and Stanley Tucci. I'm a pretty big John Turturro fan. And this is based loosely on Shakespeare's Macbeth. All right. Well, John Turturro, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you or with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm actually a big fan of his because he's great, but also because he used to frequent my restaurant that I worked at when I was in college. Nice. Yeah, I, I waited on him, his wife, and his son several times. And they Was always, he a good tipper? Uh, let me tell the story. Sorry. So he always, <laughs> him, they all, all, all three of them always ordered the lobster, the two-pound lobster, not the one-and-a-half pound. That's how you make your money. Baller. Yeah, and he would always double the bill for the tip. Wow, Fantastic. that's great. He had one rule. Don't talk to me about acting. Really? Yeah, he just wanted to come in with his family, enjoy their dinner, and they'd leave. They came in every Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. So he didn't want you to be like, "Hey, can you get me a role in such and such?" He also didn't want to be like, "Oh, you're you're John Totoro." He no. just wanted to chill. Just wanted to have his dinner and be about on his way. Also, Men of Respect grossed one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Coming in at number nine is Cadence, earning one point nine million dollars. Charlie Sheen plays a rebellious inmate in an army stockade. I, I, that was the best explanation I could find. <laughs> the most thorough description available. Yeah. Uh, can you guess who this is directed by? Martin Sheen. Correct. Um, Bro, we are killing it today. Yeah, we're great today. That's pretty much it. Directed by Martin Sheen, starring Charlie, Charlie Sheen. And very interesting, Martin Sheen was also in this movie. Mm-hmm. However, his role was originally casted with Gary Busey, uh-huh. who actually filmed for about two weeks. Uh-huh. And Martin Sheen basically got sick of his shit and kicked him off the set and took over his role. <laughs> Is that before the motorcycle accident? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yeah. All right. Number eight is Straight Out of Brooklyn. Grossed $2.7 million. This is a young man living in, living in poverty. Makes a plan to rob a drug dealer and change the life of his family. So there's nobody that I know that's in this or that directed this. But I did find something interesting because I, I didn't want to just count down the movies that i didn't know this month so maddie rich is the gentleman who produced wrote directed and acted in this movie so he was born and raised in red hook housing projects in brooklyn Uh, he became highly regarded as a pioneer of black filmmakers so in the early 90s he gained recognition as a 19 year old uh, acclaimed apparently writer director producer with this film straight out of brooklyn so he won this film won the sundance film festival award uh, and then after that, Samuel Gold- Goldwyn Films distributed the movie. Then it went on to win the Independent Spirit Award, the NAACP Image Award, the CEBA Award, the Big Apple Award, the Producers Guild Most Promising Film Producer Award, and the Nova Award. So the movie, which was made for $77,000, grossed $2.7 million. So it made oh. a bunch of money. That's fantastic. Did he, did this Maddie Rich go on to do anything mm-hmm. else? He did some things, and um, it was maybe three, four, five things that he did, and then no more. But so that was kind of the pinnacle of his career, then. I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know him in any other movie, so <laughs> or this movie for that matter. Well, there it is. That was it. <laughs> All right, coming in at number seven, earning four point seven million dollars. Eve of Destruction. A terrorist hunter is hired by a scientist to deactivate her android double, a walking, talking, murderous nuclear bomb, which has gone amok in the big city and is about to explode. <laughs> that plot is really far-fetched. I love it. Right. I, I kind of want to see this is, this is this on the sci-fi channel now? I feel like this would this be This would on the definitely sci-fi. be a sci-fi channel movie. Hundred percent. This was directed by like a like a famous UK director, I guess, Duncan Gibbons. I never heard of him, mm-hmm. but it was released wide in the United States, but straight to VHS in the UK. Did you say how much it grossed? I sure did. Okay, very good. Coming in at number six, Warlock, grossing eight point eight million dollars. Sold. Oh, <laughs> a warlock flees from the seventeenth to the twentieth century. Double which, sold. With a witch hunter in hot pursuit. So it doesn't star anybody that I'm familiar with, but directed by Steve Miner. He has a decent little resume. Directed Friday the 13th Part 2 and Part 3. 
directed Forever Young with Mel Gibson that we'll get to in 92, directed Halloween H2O, uh, which Halloween H2O is a solid Is that movie. the one with Josh Hartnett? I think so. Yeah, and then like the college, it was like a high school, yeah, with, but it uh, looks like a college. Yeah. That might be the same with Busta, Busta Rhymes yeah. is in it. And he also directed Lake Placid. Lake Placid is a solid Placid. 90s movie. Why do you love the, uh, Lake Placid so much again? Bill Pullman. Oh, that's it. No, Oliver Platt. <laughs> oh, that's right. Bill Pullman and Your Oliver Platt. Your two favorite character actors of all time. No, that's Bill Paxton that you can't get right. <laughs> Bill Pullman is the president from Independence Day. I'll never figure them out. Well, I just helped you. Yeah. That was it. All right. Coming in at number five, Flight of the Intruder, grossing $14.4 million. During the air war over Vietnam, a U.S. Navy A-6 intruder bomber pilot schemes with a hardened veteran to make an unauthorized airstrike on Hanoi. Directed by John Milius, only of note for his writing credits, mm-hmm. he was the main writer for both Conan the Barbarian yep. and Apocalypse Now. Wow. Yeah. Uh, starring Danny Glover, Willem Dafoe, uh, and Rosanna Arquette, who is, the, of course, the mother of Patricia and David Arquette. And she was in Pulp Fiction and The Whole Nine Yards. She was also in True Romance. Fantastic movie. See, these are like movies I know, and I, like, I would never just remember, oh, this person was in that. You know what I mean? Like, I love True Romance, but I can only name like the big names in that. So, um, so very interesting part of this movie. So it was scored by Basil, I'm going to butcher this name, Basil Polidorus. Uh-huh. That just sounds right. Uh, he was originally hired to score Dances with Wolves. Nice. But he dropped out to score Flight of the Intruder, this movie, instead. It's a great career choice. It was the, probably the worst career choice he could ever make, because what did he do? Nothing afterwards. He pissed off Kevin Costner. That's what he did. Uh, it was the biggest thing in Hollywood after Dances with Wolves. Yeah. And he never did a thing in Hollywood ever again. Nice. Good, Good job. Jo- Good job, Kevin Costner, being petty. <laughs> All right. Number four, Not Without My Daughter, grossing $14.7 million. An American woman trapped in Islamic Iran by her brutish husband must find a way to escape with her daughter. Hence the title. Not without my daughter. <laughs> Stars Sally Field and Alfred Molina. You and know, Alfred Molina, I always feel like I like Alfred Molina, but then I realized the only thing I really, really know Alfred Molina from is Spider-Man 2. Okay, so I'm going to tell you off the top of my head right now. He's in the beginning of Indiana Jones. All right, but that's like the tiniest of roles. What about he's in this movie called Frida with Selma Hayek. He plays her husband. He's really good in I've it. Never seen it. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I've definitely He's, heard of it. He also plays the the co lead in the movie Mother. Uh, that's a Darren Aronofsky movie. That's a weird movie. Is that a horror movie? It's sort of. It came out like yeah, not that years long ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. My students were obsessed with that movie. It's really weird. Like really, really weird. Anyway, it's that's a good watch. And that brings us into the top three movies of the month in January of 1991. Coming in at number three. Richard Dreyfuss in Once Around, earning $14.8 million. I must be the luckiest guy alive. Fly me to the moon and let me play. I've got one daughter safely married off. I'm having an affair. I'm not listening to this with a mutual friend. I've got a beautiful wife. What is this? You told me you're a big hockey star in high school. Field hockey. And another daughter. Still looking. I want you to say you are the woman who will change my life. I think my life's pretty good. You okay? Can I sleep with you, my daddy? Sure. Why don't you get your pillow, honey? Come back. Then one day, Renata met Sam. Let me shake the hand of the first man that my little rosebud ever loved. Who is this incredibly well-dressed guy? My new boyfriend. (laughs) No, no, come on, who's he really? I, of course, was born in the 40s. That's why I have such intense passions. God! What do you think? I think you should take it slow. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Oh, Joe! (laughs) Imagine that guy on a day-to-day basis. You're gonna get plenty of chances to get to know me. (laughs) Does anyone care that Renata's spending day and night with some bozo? We don't know a thing about this guy. I hope you both have a lifetime of great sex and joy. He's living with us for some weird reason. I'm sick of it. 
sick, sick. Now you have had free reign over us, but I'm telling you, as of this moment, it's over. You're tearing us all apart. Renata, no one can tear your family apart. That man, I love that he's different. This is my adventure, Dad. If you don't get it, well, I'm sorry. Universal Pictures. First aid! And Cinecom Entertainment present Richard Dreyfus, Holly Hunter, Danny Aiello, Laura San Giacomo, and Jenna Rollins in a new film from Lassa Hallstrom, director of My Life as a Dog. I had the greatest time of my life. Come on, once around! Once around. There's a bunch of actors that when you see him on screen, like you're excited to be there. Like, you know, you're going to have a good time because this guy's on screen. Dreyfus is definitely one of those characters for me. Yeah, I could tell when you got excited when you saw a silhouette about 15 minutes into the movie. I called. I predicted <laughs> his appearance when it was going to come. It wasn't very difficult to predict, but <laughs> I, I still to say it, I wasn't, still, it wasn't like they blew your mind away with. Oh, wow. Shocking they, revelation. They, they lure him in on wires and <laughs> with fireworks behind him. Anyway, it was good. Also, so you have Richard Dreyfus plays Sam Sharp in this movie. You have Holly Hunter, who plays Renetta Bella. Uh, Danny Aiello plays the father, Joe Bella. And Lara San Giacomo, or Giacomo plays Jan Bella, the sister. So just a couple of notes really quick before we move on. Mm-hmm. So Dreyfus and Holly Hunter are both Academy Award winners of the highest regard. Okay. Dreyfus won a Best Actor for The Goodbye Girl. Which I didn't know. And Holly Hunter won Best Actress for The Piano. Which I also didn't know. So it's, you know, you have two very talented people on screen together. I am aware of the fact that they also starred together in the movie Always, which I believe is a Spielberg movie. Yeah, directed by Steven Spielberg. Okay, so what's this movie about, Chris? All right, so Holly Hunter plays Renata. uh, middle I wouldn't say middle-aged, but mid-30s woman who's... Younger sister just got married. Her boyfriend basically breaks up with her right after the wedding, and she's lost, decides to start a new career, uh, selling timeshares. And during the timeshare training, she meets and falls in love with Richard Dreyfuss's ca- characters. Uh, Sam Sharp. Sam Sharp. Okay. And Sam Sharp is very overbearing personality. Her family can't stand him. He's flamboyant. He's does the most inappropriate things at the most inappropriate times. He's arrogant a bit. Although not overly arrogant, he likes to flash his money by buying a lot of gifts. But he's generous and honestly loving to everyone in her family. Yes. So he's he's one of those guys where I'm sure everybody knows somebody like that where he's tough to take, but he means well. Yeah, I think I told you, not that anyone else cares, but like one of my best friends, this is my best friend when he turns 50. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that, look, Danny Aiello in this movie is also... I, he's a saving grace in anything I've ever seen him in, too. So. Yeah, but he's great, and I loved him. And I think, spoiler alert, I think he was probably the best in this movie. Mm-hmm. But everyone else does a fantastic job. Well, Holly Hunter is a person that I've never noticed in any other movie before. But now you know she's Elastigirl, so how does that make you feel? Feels I feel great about that because I feel like this person did such a good job in this role that I'm happy that she got some Disney love. She got a Disney role because I know she made a whole ton of money from that. So you don't feel great about her winning a best actress award though. I mean, good Put for you there, the but it's all about the money, <laughs> it's isn't it? It's all about it? the Disney. <laughs> That's it. Got to get that Disney money. <laughs> Who cares about Oscars? <laughs> right. I, I work for Disney. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, no, but she's also, she was very attractive. I was somehow, some way very attracted to her, even though, I don't know, she's not classically like beautiful. I have no idea where I'm going with this, but here we are. I'm sitting here staring at Kevin. I'm like, what What are you talking about? I don't know. She was attractive is my point. She's an actress in Hollywood. Of course she's attractive. Okay. Well, the, I guess we're, we're, taking, we're taking real major leaps here to the <laughs> hot takes from Kevin Barton. <laughs> All right. All right. So basically, though, like this movie, like you – you know, we were talking about it, like, you know, where where are we going to head when we talk about this movie? And honestly, it's just like a movie that just flows through life. Yeah, it's very difficult to pick out scenes. There are no, there's nothing there that really stands out from one scene to another. It flows very rapidly through a period of this woman's life where she goes from breaking up with her boyfriend to going away on the trip, meeting Dreyfus, coming back, doing a whole lot of things with Dreyfus 
and meeting her family and going to his apartment and he moves and they have a baby and <laughs> well they get married first yeah the the all this stuff happens but like there's no you don't there's no noticeable time lapse in the movie like you, you don't really understand the change right because the only it starts thing in winter it just seems like it's winter the whole time well it is boston so it's okay but it's not like when snowing boston has there, a winter snowing there in june that's not true <laughs> facts farmer's almanac look it up <laughs> But I don't know. <laughs> That's a hot take. But all right. So, yeah. So the only what I was saying was it starts in winter. Mm-hmm. It's always winter. Mm-hmm. And then they have a baby. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't pregnant, still obviously. Winter. But it's still winter. Mm-hmm. And then the baby's getting baptized. It's still winter. It's always winter. Then Dreyfus is dying. It's still winter. Oh, spoiler alert. Dreyfus dies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. So the whole point is Dreyfus dies at the end. <laughs> and and I, I guess this is really just the whole story is basically her coming to terms with herself, right? Like, just accepting that life is what life is and just live yeah, well to like, the best you can. The, I guess the, the two most notable scenes for me are the fact... what she, Aiello blows up at one point. They can't take Dreyfus because he's so overbearing. And, and Aiello says, if you keep bringing this guy around, he's going to tear this family apart. And he and says... after they're married and have a baby, mind you. Yeah, and so he says to, he says to Holly Hunter, who's Renata... Says you, you're welcome in this house whenever you want, but he's never allowed back here again. She flips out on him. Says you, and the guys are not invited to the baptism. I don't ever want to see you again. They run out. Then the next scene or a couple scenes afterwards is they're at the baptism. Halfway through the baptism, the whole family rushes into the baptism and they all make up and they're all very happy to see each other. There's and Travis is so overwhelmed and happy and celebrating and he has a heart attack. He has a heart attack and you think he's dead. But he's not. He's not dead. But he comes back and he lives. So I guess they bring him back so they could bring him back to uh, Christmas dinner at the family's house to show that he was truly so, forgiven and loved. So, so here's one of my biggest problems with this movie. They accept Dreyfus. All right. Isn't that shown at the baptism when they show up and they're hugging and they're celebrating and everyone's happy? Isn't I think that the that point was is they finally accepted their relationship. I think it was more the fact that they were there for the daughter at that point. That's what that scene was showing, that they weren't going to abandon the daughter. It wasn't so much about Dreyfus. The Christmas dinner, when he picked Dreyfus up out of the limo to carry him in the house because he was you know, not in good shape because he just had a heart attack. I think that was showing that. Dreyfus is now welcomed back in the house and everybody's a family again. I just thought having him survive the heart attack to only kill him two or let him die, I should say. 20 minutes later. Not even. It's like one scene later. Yeah. You literally have the Christmas scene. They leave Christmas dinner and they, they stop at the lake skating. to yeah. go to watch his wife ice skate and he dies with his daughter in his arms nonetheless, which is kind of like a really rip my heart out for a moment. Yes, that was tough. I don't know. I mean, yes, they could have done it your way, but I thought that doing it this way wasn't it wasn't stupid. So I was yeah. fine with it. And then the last scene you just touched on where Dreyfus dies. But then Holly Hunter's whole character was like this. She was like, this is my adventure. She yells at her father when they were having the argument. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. That was my point of bringing that up, which I completely forgot. So. Yeah, it was just a story about this girl who went on this little life adventure, and it was a really good story. And the family is, like, really loving toward one another. The sister, uh, Laura San Giacomo, or Giacomo, however you pronounce her silly name, um, she's a bit of an, I don't know, stick in the mud, I guess, is the nicest way to put it. Yeah, but she's not, though. And, And this is another thing that really, like, I didn't understand with the movie. So they have this whole side story of she's cheating on her husband, but before they get married, not while they're married. mm and they the, break it off. She break breaks it, it off, off with the fling. when they, she gets back from her honeymoon. That guy shows up again and says, "You have to come to my wedding." But like, there's no payoff there except for she. They the whole family goes to that guy's wedding. They're the only ones there. I don't I know. I didn't understand any of that. I don't know. It was just the story's very simple and it's very. There's nothing. It's there's nothing in depth about what's going on. She was upset that he didn't need her no, anymore. I, under, I understand right, so what that, he, but I don't understand its place in this movie. It's just a piece of a part of life that happened. That's all. What that's this whole movie is just. This is the life that happens to these people, and that's it. I guess I'll accept it, but. There's a two-hour movie that should have been an hour 40, and you take I'll all take that out. I'll take an hour 40, yes. And it's I, an hour 40. I'll, I, I, I like this movie at two hours. I would love this movie at an hour 40. Yeah. All right, let's get into our topics. Best right. best scene? 
Well, hold on. We didn't mention the director. Oh, I apologize. So the director of this movie is, I'm definitely butchering his name, Lasse Hallström. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So he's a Swedish uh, director, and he has quite a resume, and I didn't know who he was. Mm -hmm. So he directed What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Nice. Chocolat. Okay. He loves Johnny Depp, apparently. Yeah. And The Cider House Rules. Okay. So those are three... Very yeah. prominent movies. Yeah. And I'd never heard of them. I can't wait to I can't wait to get to what's eating Gilbert Great. I can't wait to get to Chocolat. I've never I seen it's in the Chocolat. So we're not gonna see it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. What do you got for your best scene? So my best scene is when Dreyfus apologizes to her after the funeral. So Danny Aiello sings another song let at me, the funeral. Let me start then because my okay. best scene was actually when Dreyfus was trying to sing at the funeral. Okay, so go ahead. All right. So they having a memorial or a funeral. We're not really sure. Yeah, it was a bit confusing. <laughs> for Aiello's mother. And at the memorial service, Dreyfus, being the inappropriate person that he is, decides that he needs to sing a song at his father-in-law's family's memorial for his dead grandmother. After Aiello just sang a song for her. Right. And there's this whole thing where uh, Holly Hunter's mom, played by Grenna Rowlands, who's in the notebook, mind you, she basically goes up to Dreyfus and she's like, you're not singing this. Uh, you can't, please don't sing this song. Mm-hmm. Dreyfus is like, oh, I'm going to sing it anyway. She's like, no, I'm telling you, you are not singing this song. And this whole big family argument argument starts and it hit every emotion it needed to hit and it was awkward and it fit his personality. And yeah, it, Dreyfus. And it was the right reaction and the mother finally had a role in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Dreyfus was somewhere between oblivious and overbearing and arrogant. It was hard to pinpoint with his actual I main think character I trait. Think it's oblivious. He just doesn't he doesn't understand the, the, the social norm, the acceptance of what he like what is to be done. And I'm still st- sticking to my theory that he talks about being uh what does he say he is? Lithuanian. Lithuanian and you know, having all this big family moments. I'm sticking to my theory. There was no family. I'm, he grew up an orphan, never had a family and But he spoke Lithuanian. That doesn't mean anything. Just maybe once, maybe you grew up in a Lithuanian orphanage. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, like, I don't think he ever ever had a family and doesn't understand these norms that w- exist within a family. It would it would uh, it would explain why he is the way he is. That's All my right. fan theory. So then the the scene that thereafter, Dreyfus is apologizing to Holly Hunter, who's Renata, emphatically and very sincerely apologizing. Like he feels like he may have ruined their marriage and. He wants to do all he wants to do is take it back and show her that he's sorry. And she's playing these um, old family movies. Yeah. On a projector. And he turns the projector that's on the you know facing the wall and puts it on her big pregnant stomach. And then she's he's asking her who the people are. And she's telling them this is me and this is my sister. And it was just a very heartfelt moment. And it was really done really well. I agree. It was it definitely struck a chord with me as well that, you know, th- very emotional, very sincere and felt like something that would actually happen with a married couple. I think in you having said that the best word to describe this movie is sincere. I like it. All right. Worst scene. Talking about it. <laughs> You're going to cry. No. The worst scene. The belly dancer scene at the birthday party. That's a good one. I hated it. No, no. That's a good choice for oh, worst scene. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> First of all, they hate him, but they love that there's a belly dancer. But in it was so out of place. Everything that happened in this movie told us that the father would hate this. The mother would hate it more. Yet everybody loved it. Yeah. Which is the attitude that they should have had the whole time. Like, except for the singing at the, the memorial service. That was completely inappropriate. But they should have just taken that tact with the guy the entire time. Then if you're willing to overlook this which they obviously completely would have never done without him then why have the negative attitude towards him at any other moment right because at no other time is he ever more or less what he is at all times i feel like i shouldn't be nitpicking because i like this movie so we'll leave it at that no, My, because, no i'm sorry but that, that it, that's i think that's a major problem with this movie is that moment right there it it shouldn't be in the movie okay i want to move on and if it is they should be mad about it <laughs> My worst, my worst scene is all of the singing except for the first singing. <laughs> I would have been okay with two singings. One singing was enough. I, I didn't want him to do one. I, I said it, he did a better job than I expected, and then we should have left it at that. So, right. Best role? Danny Aiello. Holly Hunter. Ooh. Worst role? The brother Tony. 
Laura San Giacomo. You hate Laura San I really don't <laughs> like she her. She could have been the best actress you've ever seen. You would choose her just because you hate her. I just I want to hate her because Quigley Down Under I'm so <laughs> conflicted about. I don't know whether I like that well, movie or I hate well, it. Well, I have a real reason why I chose mine. Okay. Because okay, the brother Tony was all over the place. I had no idea what his role in the family was. I didn't know it was the brother until about halfway through the movie. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, like he was just, what was he doing? Why was he there? Was he this strong-willed brother or was he this pushover who wore weird shoes at weddings? I don't know. Also, I think that the casting was, was done poorly in the sense that nobody's age seemed appropriate in the yeah. movie. Because Holly Hunter, she she looked like she was in her late 30s. Yeah, and then Dreyfus was supposed to be so much older than her, which he looked so much older than her, but he was actually 43 when this was shot. But I think that it works because he looks so he look he could have been 70 in this movie. And then him and Danny Aiello are supposed to have some age difference there because Aiello's retired and Dreyfus is still working, and Aiello says I was still working hard when I was his age too, but they look exactly the same age. I, if anything, Dreyfus looks older than Aiello. I, I give you that. <laughs> All right, most quotable lines. All right. I got a really good one that I stole from you. You wanted to use it, but I took it. So they're at the airport getting ready to say goodbye to uh, Jan, the old, the younger sister. I actually thought she was the older sister, but whatever. Um, and Aiello says to his son, say, get rid of that beard. You look like a terrorist. And then like two seconds later, he's talking to him off camera and he goes, you know what surprises me? How you got through security. That's what surprises me. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to use that because, let's be honest, post 9-11, that joke doesn't work. It's f- I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm not that sensitive. All right. I am, I guess. I don't know. Um, my line that I picked was when Drivis's character finally meets the sister and the and the husband, the first thing, the very first thing he says to them is, I hope you both have a lifetime of great sex and joy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that was, how awkward is that? That was true to his character. Coming in at number two, Lionheart, grossing $22.5 million. (laughs) They think they can get away with murder, but they didn't count on one thing. Does he have any other relatives? Anyone else that could possibly help? Who gave up your family when you joined the Legion? I never give up my family. He's trained to fight for his life. Now, he's fighting for revenge. Just tell him Joshua's here with somebody I think she'd like to meet. Sure you want to mess up that face, Hansel? They think it's a game. Hey, I got three to one against Lionheart. He's playing for keeps. But now, he's facing the ultimate challenge. That's him, a born killer, not some bum we picked off the street. Well, this dude's already bad, they ain't bodies. I'll beat the guy, I have to. <laughs> the rules are simple. There's no rules. <laughs> the stakes are high. What I did tonight, I did for my family. You win. You live. Now what's it gonna be? You lose. You die. It's going to be simple. Van Damme is... Lionheart. (laughs) Is that your rating system? That's my... That's my. That's all I have to say about this movie. Is all right. So look, let me get through some things real quick. No. Jean Claude Van Damme is Leon. Harrison Page plays his friend Joshua. Deborah Renard plays Cynthia. Anybody else in this movie is pretty much inconsequential. Uh, the plot is an ex-French soldier. His brother dies. He wants to get leave from the Foreign Legion to go to attend his brother's funeral. No, 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 no. That's not what happened. That's exactly That's what happened. Not what happened. The oh, brother's he's dying. Not, he's dying. He wants to get there before his brother dies. Yes. Okay. I apologize. It's hard to remember a point in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the only part of the movie that, like, I actually like was like, 
feeling something. I have so much to say about this movie. Why was everybody so irate towards Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie? He did nothing. So the guy <laughs> says, hold on. You were, you were doing the plot. Finish the plot. First. No, that's it. <laughs> no, he comes and he and he has no money. So he has to fight to to, to pay for his yeah, because journey he knows, to L.A. He and knows then, whatever karate he knows. Yeah, and then he has to earn money for his now widowed sister-in-law. And No, he doesn't have to. He just decides right, that well, that's what that, he wants that, But to it's do. the only way he can earn money. Okay. I argue, where's your French Foreign Legion money? Well, he's gone now, bro. Okay, so wait. So he asks his commanding officer in the first scene of this movie for leave to go see his dying brother and the guy's screaming at him. Like he's a piece of shit. Like, you asshole. And he's, he says to him, you have six more months left in this core. Don't whatever make it they six says. years. Don't make it six years. I'm pretty sure that's not how that works, right? This isn't a prison sentence. I don't know what the Foreign Legion is, if I'm being 100% honest. And I did zero research on purpose. <laughs> so we could talk about <laughs> And not will. be sure. Yes. I'm confident in what I'm saying, even if I'm 100% wrong right now. <laughs> it makes this so much better. <laughs> because that guy was so mad. And then he every- was. But how about how mad everybody else is? Everyone's what? mad at him. Why is everyone on the side of this commander? Like, yeah, fuck you, bro. Fuck your dead brother. Yeah, like, what did the guy do? Also, they're not. It doesn't. They're not in war because he says we could go to war with whoever at any time. But like, all he's doing, he's, he's literally when the movie opens up, he's hammering posts in. To the to the dirt. <laughs> so then, so then he escapes. Right? They go to. They went to give him how much time in this in box? sweat box that was literally the size of your guinea pig's cage. Like a week, right? They it were gonna give week. him a week in this box because he asked to go see his dying brother. <laughs> <laughs> right? He didn't do anything else at this no, point. No, nothing. He didn't even tell the guy to go fuck off. He just asked, like, please, my brother's dying. Can no, I no, go I see think him? he did tell him to go fuck off. Oh, whatever. Yeah, but but still. All right, he just wants to see his dead brother. All right, so then he the beats up brother. he beats up these two guys that are guarding him in the most terribly choreographed fight scene. Why are his time. kicks so slow? Why is everyone literally sticking their jaw out waiting for it? <laughs> All right, so I'll get past that, right? But then, so he takes a jeep into the desert, and then they're they're in the desert. And for some reason, it's the only jeep. <clears throat> No, they like, have it. They have oh, a second right. jeep that they, sh- they chase him, him, but they didn't. They couldn't catch him. They couldn't find him. And then he's like strolling the desert. He comes across the water, gets on a ship. Now the guy who lets him on the ship hates his guts. He must have murdered his wife or something, <laughs> because he won't let him out of the engine room where he's stoking the fire. This ain't a free trip. <laughs> but it, and then so then John Claude goes. They get to New York because they're going. So first off, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me keep going. I'm on a roll here. So the the guy told John Claude they were going to California. Turns out they were going to New York, which is the complete opposite direction. (laughs) All right, but then John Claude goes to get off the boat, and he's like, "No, you can't leave." (laughs) Why was he holding him prisoner? I missed that part. I don't know how I missed that. Bro, so John Claude. John Claude beats up the the captain and dives off the boat and swims like two miles to New York. How did I miss that part? You probably I missed that. I have no idea what's going on in Hold this on. movie. So now he gets to New York, and he's on a payphone. Hold on, <laughs> he's on a payphone, and the operator won't connect his call. She's like, "If I don't hear change, I'm not." <laughs> so she hangs up and he's pissed and he turns around and there's a fight going on under the overpass <laughs> and his immediate conclusion is well i guess i'm gonna join this underground <laughs> fighting ring <laughs> to pay for my phone call <laughs> ridiculous i don't even know if we're on the right path bro did we explain them what else is going on <laughs> oh my god so he beats up some guy for like 15 bucks or whatever nobody just takes that's where he meets joshua <laughs> yes. oh, by the way this guy's great I, yeah, I was gonna say so harrison page who plays joshua is the only actor in this entire movie. Van- right, so this is what I wanted to say. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get ahead of us here because there's nothing really to talk about in this movie except for shitting on it. So Bloodsport, right? I made you watch Bloodsport, yeah, which is 
Okay, it's bad, right? Yeah. But it's a great bad movie. It's one of it's those an enjoyable bad movies. Yes, in my opinion, it's one of the best bad movies that right. there are. Okay, now, but it also has like a, a direction. It has like well, this had direction. It just was no, no. Wait, listen to what I'm gonna say. So in the beginning of Bloodsport, he's in the army, the U.S. Army, I believe. His sensei, who was like his father, is dying. He wants to get leave from the army. They won't let him, and he escapes. It's the same fucking plot. It's the same exact plot. Now, get this. The director of this movie, Sheldon Leteach, he wrote Bloodsport with Van Damme, and he and Van Damme wrote this movie. All they did was recycle the... They recycled Bloodsport. Sounds like a typical... Jean-Claude Van so what does he movie. do in Bloodsport? He goes and fights in an underground fighting ring, right? For for yeah, honor okay, that, that time. That one's different though, because that was the whole. He was always wanted to be part of that, and he couldn't because whatever. He was an American, and Americans never fought in it. Like that's different. This it, is well, like, Bloodsport was a much better movie than yeah. this. This was a this was a horrible movie, and I'm I'm actually a a, a, a quasi Van Damme fan because his bad movies are great. So anyway, I, that was my point. I wanted to bring up that this and Bloodsport are the same exact movie. So don't watch this one. Go watch Bloodsport. All right. So where are we in the plot? I mean, it doesn't matter. Like he he winds up being part of this like underground rich people pay like basically just putting up people to fight each other and they they just love blood and guts, which is proven by the rich woman who gets blood splattered. What on is her. this girl's deal? And for some reason, she decides to while staring Van Damme in the eye. Wipe the blood off her chest and then lick the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So what's this girl Cynthia's deal that oh, had put together? Joke. Yes. What's the what's her deal? She's the one who put together this whole underground fighting ring, right? I mean, I guess I could. Well, she see has it. fighters that are in it, the fighting ring. It kind of makes sense. No, no, she runs the whole thing. It makes sense to me in that like rich people might like filthy rich people but, might get off on paying to watch people beat the crap out of each other. Like it's, fine. I, I can actually get on board with that. It's idea. such she's such a caricature of what that person would oh, be. She's not even like I don't know what she was. It was weird though how like she wants to get on Van Damme, but then like they're on a date, but like Van Damme doesn't know they're on a date, but then they are on a date, and it's weird. And he, but they go from like talking to suddenly they're sitting at some fancy restaurant while Van Damme's still in like his street clothes. <laughs> what about what what about the fact that she's so irate that he wants to go to California but she has an underground fighting ring in California that he continues to fight at. So why we why wouldn't you be like, "Hey, go to California. I got it. I got to set up out there too." But also she just met him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she's infatuated <laughs> with him in every sense of the word. His fighting, she's doing her best to sleep with him. She's buying him clothes. He's staying at her place. She's working out in the gym next to the room he's sleeping in that she stripped him naked in. <laughs> and then she's working out in like a yeah. really skimpy leotard. This whole movie was just so stupid. I want you, you know what I wanted it to be that it just failed to be? I just I honestly wanted Mortal it to Kombat. be Bloodsport. <laughs> I wanted it to be Bloodsport. All right. A couple of things I want to point out. Go ahead. Just that was just so ridiculous. Uh -huh. All right. So first, the music. Why was every soundtrack, I don't know what you'd call it, movie bite, music bite in this entire movie mm -hmm. was excessively and exclusively porn music. Why was there saxophone again? Like, I can't wait till we get out of the era of the 90s where there's saxophone in the background. But this wasn't just saxophone. This was porn sax. Sexy saxophone? <laughs> this, was, this was Kenny G. Well, he does the clarinet. Same thing. It was all just too much. Uh, why I'm uh, going back to the beginning for a minute. So they wouldn't let Van Damme go right to go see his brother before he dies. But then they have the manpower to send two military guys to go chase him down for months. Months they're looking for they're him. They're out for months. You're right. They, they've been sitting up in that room just waiting. I don't waiting, understand waiting. that. That's a fair point. That, that's it. Hold like, on. Wait, really wait, wait, wait. One last movie. scene. One last scene. One last scene. When they're fighting in the, the garage and they circle all the cars, while the cars are coming in, 
why were there guys in like tight like bicycle shorts on roller skates that were like ushering people around? Why did they have to be on roller skates? Because it's the '90s. I don't understand '90s '90s philosophies. '90s movie logic. Yes. All right, let's fly through these categories. All right, uh, we did the director, we did the plot, best scene, the, the last fight. I don't know. I did. <laughs> it's fair to not know <laughs> what the best and worst scene in this movie is. No, I know what the worst is. All right, so my I have two. The pool fighting scene was aggressively 90s, and okay. I really uh, liked I that. I like that one, too. They First were, of all, they were in wrestling yes, <laughs> singlets sing- for whatever reason. They go through different garb in each fight, right? <laughs> How about the Scottish guy? <laughs> he was fighting in a kilt. How about one, the one guy he fought at the end, like the main boss guy he was fighting, was in pants, suit, a pa- like a suit belt, and sh- <laughs> like dress shoes. <laughs> That's what he came to a fight in. All right, my other scene is... Um, they're watching the the film on TV of the, the like the le- the head boss that he's gonna right. fight, and he's got the guy upside down by his two legs, and then they cut away from the TV, and you hear him split the <laughs> oh, guy yes, in yes, half, yes. <laughs> like a wishbone. <laughs> that was so ridiculous. All right, those are my two best scenes. You didn't have one, so. No, I said the last fight, I guess. It was just... Okay. It was, I mean... Fair. Of all the fight scenes, it was the most intense, I guess. Okay, that's yeah. fine. All right, worst scene? For me, the worst scene was the ending. Like, the very ending, where they take him away. I don't understand they, it. Like, a block later, like, get out. It was, he just comes right back, and that's it. It was the most poorly written thing I've ever I've ever witnessed on screen. So there was supposed to be like the the two guys that were sent to stake him out and find him. They catch up to him, right? And they watch him fight that last fight. So and I they're guess so happy for him. That I he won. guess they gained some uh, like all this respect for him because he won this fight at the end with a broken rib. And yeah, oh, broken rib. And and so they go to take him away at the end of the movie. But they don't take him away. They put him in the car. They have They're him squashed in, in there. the middle between these two big guys. They dr- drive. They literally drive block. one block. If, and if that much. And there's no explanation on why they let him out. They just say, get out. That's it. And they let him go free. I thought for a second, like, oh, they're going to shoot him. Like, no. Oh, I thought that they were going to say, hey, you know, you did this. You did that. We respect you. We know you got to go do this for your film. No, no exposition at all. Just get out. But and it then also he, doesn't make sense. He jogs back to the family and that's Why it. Why put this five-year-old girl through this trauma? <laughs> <laughs> it was absurd. So my worst scene is, I think, the fight scene in the garage where the girl licks the blood off yeah, her chest. because that was weird. There was, that would never happen in any reality ever. Even, even in the 90s, before pandemics. <laughs> They had AIDS. They were, oh, they, they did were have AIDS. That was the wor- They were in the middle of the AIDS pandemic. They were super scared. Shit. Yeah. All right. So there was that. And then the fight choreography in every scene was atrocious. Van Damme was in slow motion. Everyone was in slow mo. It was just, it was all bad. We don't need to talk about that. What's your best role? My best role is Joshua. I'm sure that's yours. Yeah, because the guy was the only, the only actor in this entire He was a real was person. He was the only real person there. Yeah. All right, worst role? Oh, hold on. There's another bad scene. Go ahead. <laughs> they try to get, make the phone call, and the guy's like, this is my phone, cuz. <laughs> All right, fine. Gang members, you know, I'm going to charge you to use the phone just yep. as I can. Yeah. But he wraps the cord around the guy's neck, and he's making uh, the phone call while the cord's around the guy's neck. Yeah, that whole scene was atrocious. They had <laughs> guns and whatever else they had, and, and Van Damme and this guy Joshua beat up like seven guys. Yeah. With guns. With guns. Okay. All right. Worst role? Everyone, especially Van Damme. Nah, I'll give it to that <laughs> Cynthia, Deborah Renard. Oh, she couldn't find a beat, man. It was just, it was just so poorly done. It, it, it honestly seemed like she'd never acted before. Like, I'm not saying I could do a better job, but I've never acted before, so. But you might have done a better job. But I still might have done a better job. All right. Most quotable line. I actually struggled to find a quotable line in this movie, but I have one. Oh, I have several quotable. It doesn't mean they're good. So it's it's not going to be good outside of the context of watching the movie, but they're outside the hospital after he goes and finds out that his brother had died, and Joshua is outside the hospital, and this this cute girl goes walking by, and he goes to her casually like as she's walking by. He's like, hey. You don't look sick to me. <laughs> that was it. I missed that line, but all right. Yours? All right. So the first 
Uh, the first time he fights for like the rich people, like the first time he gets into that, uh, there was that in the garage. Yeah. So the guys that he's about to fight is fighting someone else. And like, he says to the guy, let's do lunch sometime. Then punches him in the face. Yeah. That was really, really ridiculous. <laughs> Hold on. Then Van Damme like goes in to fight him and he goes, the same guy, you're kind of pretty. I don't know if I want to fight you or fuck you. Is <laughs> <laughs> that supposed to be intimidating? It's such a nineties thing to say. Both both of those were terrible. Uh, terribly good. Terribly good. All this right. movie was terrible. It was not good. But yeah. I you know what though? Maybe it was good because we just had I had a great time shitting on it. Ever had. I had a great time shitting on it. I would definitely recommend seeing Once Around. I would definitely not recommend ever watching Lionheart. If you want to see Lionheart, For just go watch Bloodsport. It's the same movie, only done way better. I mean, if you want to see how bad it is. No, it's not. It's not an enjoyably bad movie. Right. It's just a bad movie. I was sitting there watching it the entire time. I was like, oh. begging for it to be over. Oh, 12 minutes in. I, I was the first time I was like, how much left? And I'm like, it's only been 12 minutes. You wonder how that's possible sometimes, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Coming in at number one, we have Disney's White Fang grossing $34.7 million. From Walt Disney Pictures, an innocent young man. Looking for somebody to take me to my father's claim. And a seasoned guide. You wouldn't last a day out here. What makes you the expert? Experience. Together, they will face the dangers of the wild. Watch out! Discover a fortune. It's just like we dreamed of. And forge a lasting friendship. Your father would be proud of you. Jack London's classic, White Fang, rated PG. Now playing at a theater near you. All right. So, White Fang, <clears throat> apparently it's a children's book. Apparently it's a movie. <laughs> and made into a, made into a movie. Okay. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I did not understand this movie. And let me tell you why. There was no arc. There, there was zero arc. There, nobody grew as a character. Nobody, there was no relationship with the dog until an hour and 30 minutes into the movie. I, I did this. This is I, I told you before. I was like, I don't know what to say about this movie when we talk about it. All right, hold on, hold I on. I don't understand the movie. I'm gonna make a few. I'm gonna make a few points as we go. First, let's start with Ethan Hawke. A young Ethan Hawke plays Jack. Which how dumb am I that I didn't even realize is Ethan Hawke? I, I don't understand how up. that's possible because he <laughs> didn't look like anyone other than Ethan he Hawke. He looked exactly like Ethan Hawke. You know why? Because it's Ethan Hawke. Yeah. All right. So then Klaus Maria Brandauer plays Alex, who's his like mentor slash friend. And Seymour Castle plays Skunker, who's a pretty good character, but unfortunately dies pretty early. <laughs> he fits the name. He does, yeah. He does a great job of playing like this dirty, woodsy guy. Yeah. All right, so Ethan Hawke's father had died. This is during the gold rush in California. He owns a plot of land. He goes out to California, finds this guy, Alex, who knew his father and knows where his father's plot of land was, asks Alex to bring him to the plot of land. Therein lies the plot of the movie, yes? Yes. Okay. And Alex is currently trying to take his other friend to bury him where he wishes to be buried because he died because apparently this mountaintop is very dangerous. Yes. And then the third guy there is this guy, Skunker, who's, I guess, Alex's other right-hand man. And Skunker had to be there because otherwise they wouldn't have taken Ethan Hawke's character, Jack, with them because... Alex didn't want them, and Skunker said, ah, just take them. <laughs> so he did. And Skunker apparently really likes the sticks of gum that Ethan Hawke always has. Because <laughs> they're, I don't know, they're really, really important to him. Gum is rare in the 1800s. I just, I don't, like, I, I'm just going to keep saying this. I do not understand the point of this movie. All right, so look, I like the score, right? The score was nice, no saxophone. Oh, so here's what I wrote. Cheesy 90s music sounds like a video game. <laughs> Were you in a bad mood when you I, watched this I movie? I must have been because... All right. So... Terrible acting. <laughs> that's one of my... <laughs> that's one of the things I wrote down. All right. So they, they go up the mountain. The guy agrees. They agree. They're on their journey going to the father's plot, right? First, inter first real, I guess, objective that they have to overcome is the characters make a ridiculous mistake with the ice and sliding down the mountain. And the guy yells to Ethan Hawke not to go on the ice. And what does he do? He just simply walks out on the ice, falls through. Then they have, like, it was just ridiculous. Like it was clearly like he didn't need to go on the ice to get what it, he was going to get the ammo. But that they did this multiple times in this movie. So then later on when they like, just like 
clear setups for danger, clear setups for yes, very like, apparent. Right. So later in the movie, when he decides, when they find the gold, right? Spoiler yeah. alert: they find the gold. <laughs> they um, did the dance. They did the dance. Um, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go into town and have the gold tested." And a Alex huge just bag like, of it. A Alex huge is like, bag yep, of gold. Go by yourself, kid. Yeah. A okay, and I'm not taking the dog. Where the bad guys are looking for the dog that they took from him. But they're also looking for him. They hate this kid. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. I'm going to send this kid who has zero ability to handle himself in any situation with thousands of dollars at the time, which means... Tens like, of thousands of dollars. would be like millions now. Yes. Like, yeah, just go. No, he had a fat sack of gold. And made a full gold bar. <laughs> that you don't walk around with that to get it <laughs> tested. And I just I do, I don't understand like they just every chance they got like oh this is gonna happen and bad things are gonna happen but we're also gonna inlay that it's clearly happening to make these bad things happen. So did you catch Disney killing everybody in this movie? Did you catch the body count? No. Okay. His father's dead in the beginning. His, the the guy's friend Alex's friend is dead that in the beginning. In. Yep. Skunker gets eaten by wolves. Skunker dies. The the wolf mom dies. The dog wolf oh, dies. Yeah. She died brutal, too. And then Ethan's mom dies at some point in the movie. He oh, said no, that he, he find out that she had already she died. She'd been dead, too, yeah. yeah. So that that's five Well, Disney easy. loves to kill parents. So loves that's no to kill surprise. parents. So they, they actually killed two parents, like three parents here. Three. Because they killed the wolf's mom and hit both of I think Jack's this was parents. the time where Disney was like, three's too many. One's enough. All right, so I I also determined by watching this movie that I might be an Ethan Hawke fan. I mean, he was fine. Gattaca is a great movie. I love Gattaca, but we're going to get to Gattaca, so that's a 90s movie. Okay. <sighs> Listen, the, the, Ethan Hawke's acting was fine. Everyone else was awful. I, I, I didn't need two French accents this, this <laughs> month. All right. Um, sorry to the French, but I just don't enjoy their accent. The French are les incompetents. <laughs> This movie was just, I, I just feel like there was, I mean, I know it's based on a book. So like everything I say is just nonsense and clearly it was good enough for them to remake it in 2018. Right. But the, the storyline is so clear here. When, when Jack decides to go down, fall down that mountain and go onto the ice, that's where you separate him from them. And then he comes across this wolf and they have to survive together. Wouldn't that have been the better story? Because this wolf's mother died and he had to figure out how to survive, right? So have the wolf and the child come together and learn to survive together. Much better story. I'm sold. What do I sign? <laughs> I look, this is what I'm This is the last note that I, I wrote down. 11 year old me would have loved this movie. Loved it because. No, I, I'll give you some points. The bad guys, the bad guy trio, they should be in a cartoon, right? That's how over the yeah, top they are. And that's how annoying it, this movie is. Yeah, but that's 11 year old kids. you right. would have been enthralled by that. Now, what did they do? They had a dog that was a wolf that he became as the kid's friend. They were best friends. That would have been great, right? They were on this mountain adventure going to find the gold. That would have been great. They're head out in this little log cabin, sifting through the gold in the mine. The mine keeps collapsing. That would have been great. They actually find the gold, and it's real gold, and they get a whole shit ton of money. That would have been great. And they beat the bad guys who were like, they should have been in Pinocchio instead of a live-action movie. That's how, like, over-the-top caricatures of bad guys that they were. And the dog bites the one guy in the butt, and that would have been funny. And 11-year-old me, I would have watched this 100 times. It's Disney. Yeah. Disney does children movies that make sense. Okay. So then that's and where it's I'm not at. and we're not in we're not in mid eighties Disney where right. they can't find their feet. Right. We're right we're smack in the middle. We're the beginning. We're, in the we're, very beginning. We're we're, we're post Little Mermaid now. And you're getting into Beauty and yeah. the Beast and Aladdin, Aladdin and, and Lion King. King. Like this is where Disney They're hitting their stride. Found themselves again. Yeah. So, so that's I what I'm don't, saying. Like, I don't accept that this is a Disney movie. Okay, well, you're not 10, so... <laughs> yeah, if I sat there and watched it and wanted to see a movie for me at 40 years old, I would have been like, ah, this movie sucks. 10-year-old me would have been like, this is a great adventure. All right. That's it. Fine. Yeah. All right. I don't really have much else to say. Let's hit our... I mean, it was a movie. It was a kid's movie. Kids would enjoy it. It's a movie. Great. <laughs> Wolves. Fun. What was it? Great. It's a movie. <laughs> All right, so the director, Randall Kleiser... Has a decent resume. Di directed Grease, The Blue Lagoon, 
Flight of the Navigator. Now that's done well. Yes. Big Top Pee Wee, which I hate. <laughs> and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Honey, I Blew Up. Oh. Yeah, not, yeah. Not, not the best one out of the franchise. No. My best scene is the bad guy fight at the house when they burn the house down. Oh, but they just beat them so easily. It's a kid's movie, sir. Fine. What's your best scene? I said getting acquainted with White Fang. Now, here's where the parallels between this and Dances with Wolves, because it was literally the exact same thing. Oh, more parallels? <laughs> this was the only one. Uh, I, I object, but go ahead. Okay. Was him... You know, earning the dog's trust. I found that to have like meaning and so like, go, get into speaking to children. Like I liked that scene. Get into how they met the dog because we didn't even explain that. How they met the dog doesn't matter. It's so stupid. He but meets the dog. It. He meets the dogs with the Native Americans, and the Native Americans like we they're obedient because we are their masters. And he's like, well, you got to be nice to them. <laughs> and then what happened? And then then they don't. Then the dog goes into a fighting <laughs> ring. Yeah, Just, the bad guys. Based, this movie is basically, you know what this movie is? It's Lionheart. <laughs> the, the dog gets sucked into an underground fight ring. Yes. So they, the dog actually does get sucked into an underground fight <laughs> and ring. And I got to say that those, those fight scenes were much better choreographed than, than Lionheart. Lionheart. A thousand percent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the three bad guys acquire the dog because they tell him that the dog's half wolf and it's illegal to have and the Native American and doesn't want any trouble with the law they tell him they're going to call the cops on him he's going to go to jail so he just gives them the dog and that's it then they ethan hawk and uh, alex uh they rescue the dog after they see him in the fighting ring or whatever so and actually this is I, i'll save i'll save it but this is you know what? i'll get to it this is my best quote uh-huh so they they rescue the dog and they're taking the dog and the three guys that were had stolen the dog they go hey kid that's my dog that's my wolf mm. and they had robbed ethan hawk earlier in the day and yeah. ethan hawk just responds not anymore. I paid for him when you robbed me. And I, just, I like <laughs> and as a kid. And this is yeah, what it would have been a, like as a kid. I was like, yeah, like a nice F you to yeah, him. Right. That's great. All right. So worst scene. Uh, worst scene for me was the mind collapse. It was just weird, like weirdly done to me, like the way they just ran in and then the mind just collapsed. Oh, whatever. Like, I mean, I, I would have liked a little bit of what was happening. Why were they going in there? They were they were just running. What do you mean why were they, they weren't going, going to in they wasn't like, all right, I'm gonna go check this side of the mine. They just ran in. And the That's where they dig. Anyway. They're in there to be digging. But why was, it collapsed, I mean He who, was in there for three seconds. Oh, okay. They didn't they were under a time constraint. Right. <laughs> right, my worst scene is the bear scene. Why was it the worst scene? Because that bear should have caught him like ten times. Yeah. Bears. Do you know that bears? My daughter was with me, and she goes, "Bear." <laughs> Do you know that bears run at the speed of horses? I did not. So, so that's interesting. There's that. You can't outrun a bear. No, or you can't. You're just going to die. That's the bottom line. If a bear's chasing you, death. Play dead. Did you also know that the bear is the same bear from the movie The Great Outdoors? I did know that. And no, I, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, well, you obviously read, read the same thing that I did. No, no, I didn't know that. Um, best role? Best role. I, Jack, Ethan Hawke, because he's, to me, the only one worth a damn in the movie again. I liked everybody, but yeah, Ethan Hawke. Worst role? The worst role were the three bandits, the three guys. I loved them. I know you did. You know I what my worst role was? Maybe my problem is I'm old now and I can't get into the mind of a child. You know, you know what my worst role was? The bear, the bear, because the bear should have caught him. Because the bear sucked at being a bear. (laughs) Terrible at being a bear. (laughs) And then it lets the little dog protect Ethan Hawke when he climbs into the... We explain nothing about this movie. No, because there's nothing happens. Nothing really does happen. It's a kid's adventure where nothing really happens. There's there's no arc. There's no change. It's The movie starts out, the kid wants to get to his dad's claim. He accomplished a goal. He He did, but the the goal was the goal. There were no... There was no obstacle that he got them past. The kid didn't learn anything. The kid was taken care of the whole time. That's true. That's my issue with this movie. Kid wants to go find his dad's plot of land, right? Fine. The only thing he managed to do was walk up that mountain while getting yelled at by all the other men walking up the mountain. (laughs) So he gets to the top of the mountain. He finds Alex. Alex doesn't want to take him with him. Skunker makes him go with him. He falls down the mountain, almost kills everyone. Alex and Skunker save him. He's, in my opinion, he's not, but he's responsible for Skunker getting eaten by wolves. (laughs) <laughs> Fair. He he does nothing to protect them from the wolves. In fact, he gets attacked by another wolf, and other people have to come and save them. Yeah, you're right. Then Alex takes them to the Native Americans, and the Native Americans hook them up with a boat. 
Yeah. Then Alex paddles the boat. No, didn't he build the boat? Maybe Alex built the boat. It wasn't Jack. So then Alex... Okay, so Jack does paddle the boat, but Alex steers it. <laughs> All right? It's not so, really an accomplishment. So they get to the plot of land. Alex rebuilds the house. Alex builds the whole mining, the gold Yeah, he shows thing. them how to do it. Then the wolf shows up, and the wolf protects them from things. So Jack the does kid nothing? does nothing. He's just along for the ride. And we're supposed to be like, what? Oh, Jack, you great American hero. Yeah. No. Alex is the hero of the story, but even I don't like Alex, so I don't care. They <laughs> even that, bicker about thing? it. They even bicker about it when Jack's teaching Alex how to read. Okay, there's something Jack does. He teaches Alex to read, kind of. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> and they get to this big argument. Alex like, you do nothing. I do everything. <laughs> All right, whatever. Would you watch this movie again? No. Okay. Um, would I watch this movie again with my kids? Sure. All right, so January of 1991 is probably the dullest month of the year, but here we go. February 1991 is going to be a lot of fun. In no particular order, we have King Ralph, yeah. Sleeping with the Enemy, and The Silence of the Lambs. Which is a phenomenal movie. I'm so excited to watch The Silence of the Lambs. And all, I've so, seen this movie a thousand times. We'll come back to Silence of the Lambs in a second. You also have L.A. Story with Steve Martin. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. That's a pretty good obscure movie. And you have Nothing But Trouble, which is Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy. This movie gets a really bad rap, and it doesn't deserve it. I watched it not that long ago, and I was entertained. And it's only like a 96-minute runtime. See, that's every comedy should be an hour 30 to an hour 40. That's all you need. Get in, get out, have some laughs, and be done. Uh, we also have the never-ending story, too, but that sucked compared to the never-ending story. So. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah, I can't wait for Silence of the Lambs. I'm really, really looking forward to watching this. I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs in years. This is one of those movies I watch pretty often. That's good. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks. See you next time. Bye.